And so uh, I rethought what I was going to talk about. And I have these, one of the things that I do is I keep, I never really read my Bible to get a message for you. I want you to know that. I'm not saying now, Lord, I got to have a message for Sunday. So show me exactly what you want, or I'll try to find something haphazardly to bring you a word. If I do it that way, there's no life behind my word. There's got to be breath and wind in this place. My desire for you is to be transformed to the point when you walk out or challenged that when you walk out, you live your life differently. What good is it if we go through church motions and leave just the way that we came? And that's why I challenge you. That's why I take that mic sometimes during worship. You should always feel challenged to get out of your comfort zone when you come here. You should always be challenged to walk out and live your life a little bit differently than when you came. People have come to expect less and less from church these days. We almost come to church expecting I will not have an encounter with God. Can you believe that? That comes from years and years and years of going to church and not having an encounter with God. And I have no desire to do that. When I fully came to the Lord in the late 80s and the early 90s, when I really fully began, began to know the Lord 20, over 25 years ago, I bought the bumper stickers and I had every Christian t-shirt you can imagine. I was like bumper sticker Christian t-shirt king. I'm not kidding you. And at some point you come to the place where you've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, had the bumper stickers and you're left discontent and you say to yourself, there's gotta be more. And we're here because there is more. <laughs> and my desire for you is to live your life differently and to challenge you to reprocess and rethink how you worship, how you spend time with the Lord, how you grow personally, and what the resulting effects of those things are. Not to just teach on prosperity and the blessings and even the supernatural, which I love all those things. And those things are rewards that come with knowing the Lord. God does want great gain in your life. But if you don't get the main thing, the main thing, you're always gonna be chasing after something else. You'll have lust in your heart for the next thing and you'll never be content where you're at. Lack of contentment is plaguing the world and it plagues Christians. Feeling inadequate, never feeling like God's pleased with you, never feeling like you're doing enough, feeling like you don't measure up, feeling like you're being overlooked, not getting recognition, or, or not feeling valued based on all kinds of other things. How much money you have, your social status, your job, your house, material things. How about how you look? Overweight, underweight, your clothes, your hair. And we start to think like the world does and finding our value based on all the wrong things. And what that does is it produces two things. It produces a lack of contentment and a lack of competency. You know what it means to feel competent? To feel that, you know what, I am good enough. You know what, I do have Jesus Christ inside of my life and he is my Lord and I walk by faith and I have a full grown Jesus living inside of me, not a little seven pound baby Jesus. I didn't get just baby gifts. I got everything Jesus has to offer when I give my life to him, but we're living like orphans and we're living like we have a baby Jesus inside of us. And many of us here today are feeling sorrow. We're feeling pains and struggles and hurts and challenges. And we're caught up subtly in the world system and still laying claim 
to God's name. And today I'm gonna snap you out of that. Now you need to understand that I'm not here to beat you over the head with the Bible. But what I am to do, wanna do is challenge you in how you live your life. Because this church is experiencing revival. I'm not kidding you. Revival's not just 100,000 people lying down the road, though that could happen, it's happened. And I'm actually believing for a different revival. I'm not believing for hundreds of thousands of people all over the world to come, though if God wants to do it, great. What I really want is every on fire Christian in this city and every church and every pastor that's hungry for the more of the Lord to get lit up so it happens to all of us together so that when the tide rises, every ship goes up with it. Yeah! And I don't care if they're Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, I don't care where they are and who they are. Because even in those denominations, there are people hungry for more, crying out. They don't know where to go. They haven't found Rock City yet, but they're desperate for the things of the Lord. And they're praying for their own pastors to get revival. And so God is gonna bring great gain if you get the main thing, the main thing, and you snap out of this dysfunction of constantly feeling inadequate. Because if you're not content with where you are today and right now, you'll always be living for tomorrow. And there's a way to be content. And the world's way is not, our, is not God's way. More money, more stuff, more recognition, more accolades, more fame, more being used because of your gifting is not gonna make you feel content and adequate. But the Bible gives an answer. There's such a simple three, two-step process. If you think formulas, you need to switch to patterns because God's a God of patterns. It's not a one, two, three thing. But if there was, I got an answer for you. If you ever wanted to think in formulas, I've got an answer for you. And when you understand this answer, and when you make the decision to get violent to become what I'm about to show you, and pray and ask God to shift your situation and your circumstance and stop succumbing to whatever life deals you. Laissez-faire is not a fruit of the spirit. You know what laissez-faire is? Whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. I, I don't have any say. God's just gonna do whatever he wants to do and I don't have any role or place or part in it and therefore we have no action, we have no resulting effect and we go through our life sitting on the sidelines. But the answer is not be more religious. The answer isn't you better measure up more. In fact, the answer is so awesomely simple that most people will not pay the price to get it. It is so non-religious, it's so full of love and life that if you will catch this thing that I'm gonna teach you today, everything that God desires for you, every preemptive blessing that he has in store for your life will come to pass. Now it will be in his timing, not yours. But I promise you, I promise you with a spiritual back guarantee that if you, will, if you will follow what I'll teach you this morning, you will live a life of, that has been destined for you to be full of joy and passion and excitement. It doesn't mean you won't have some various trials. And when I, you need to understand that I'm a man preaching a message that has been through more fiery trials, more heartache, more hardship, been beat down, cut down over and over again, but every time I rise up stronger than before because various trials, if need be, the Bible says, if need be, produce a genuine authenticity in your faith. 
Because what most people do when they go through a fiery trial is you cave. Depression, worry, fear, anxiety. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. God didn't do what he said he would do. And I was believing the whole time and he lied to me. And then we go into a cave of dysfunction, victim mentality, and we blame everybody else for it, especially the preacher and especially God. And so we learn to stand every test and every fiery trial, but you can only do it because of supernatural faith and trust. You can only do it because of a transformed life inside of you. You can't hype it. You can't fake it. I do not believe in fake it till you make it. Make sure you know that. Please do me a favor. I know other preachers preach it, not at Rock City. Please don't come in and fake it. I've heard the messages. I've been taught it, that if you fake it enough, eventually you'll get it. Uh, he wants authenticity. Faking it, faking it can lead to hypocrisy. He wants genuine, authentic, just who you are right where you're at. And he wants you to open your mouth and cry out and get violent and desperate and stop living in a wallowing mud of victim mentality, pity party, woe is me mentality. He wants to get you out of the mud and the muck and the miry play, clay and put your feet on solid ground. That's what he wants to do. And I've wallowed around too much in the miry clay. I mean, I'm, I, have been in that mire, I have been in the pig trough more times than I can tell you. You know how many times I went back to the pig trough in my early life of Christianity? I don't now, thank God. I mean, I, I was, went there enough to realize I don't like the food. <laughs> I, I realized I do not want to eat out of the pig trough. But boy, did I go there a lot. So I understand. And we have patience and, and understand process. We understand those things. But let's take a look at 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. We're gonna read all the way to verse 10. Now, I highly encourage you to get a Bible on your phone or your smart tablet, or of course, everybody should have an actual paper Bible. And I have these everywhere, one here, 20 of them at home. And there's times I just love to smell the pages and feel them in my hand, okay? Because I grew up with an actual Bible. In fact, one of my Bibles has more footnotes and highlights and underlinings from all my early days of Christianity when there weren't smartphones and tablets. But now because of technology, I can cross-reference, I can rightly divide in a flash. I can look up in the Blue Letter Bible, the strongest concordance of, of what certain words mean, and I can treasure hunt on the fly. I can highlight, I can look at all kinds of Bible references and documentaries and, and get way more understanding because I'm not carrying around a whole library with me, yeah. right? Back in the day, I used to walk around with one of those early little Gideon Bibles. Have you ever seen one of those? Some of you are like, huh? Back in the day, there were these little tiny Gideon Bibles that the Gideons handed out. They're tiny, you know, they're green and white and red and black and blue, and they're all the different colors. And that's all that I had. And it was only the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs in the Old Testament. And it didn't matter where I was. I kept that in my back pocket because I wanted the word around me at all times. So if I was getting a haircut, if I was waiting at the doctor's office, I mean, I didn't have an iPhone then. I'd just bust it out and read it. Now you have iPhones and technology to keep the word always before you and not be distracted by all the other things of social media and the things in the, of this world. 
And most of us are not dedicating enough time to reading God's word and getting understanding from what the word actually says. And you want to hear God's voice, but you won't read the Bible. And the Lord showed me a long time ago, you're desperate to hear my voice, but you won't take time to get inside of this. Because when you read this, he breathes upon it. But you could even read this and still not know what it says and not hear God's voice. I've had people come to me and say, I've read the Bible front to back 10 times over. I've read that Bible. I'm like, oh, really? Can you tell me what it means? Can you tell me what it says? Can you tell me what the essence of it is? There is so much attack on God's word and God's nature. And if you're not careful, because you've read it yourself, if you're not careful, you'll succumb to the lies of atheists. You'll succumb to the lies of the world that are constantly on Facebook saying God was into sodomy and adultery and didn't punish those. The atheists are always lying about the nature of God. And because people don't read their Bible, they fall prey to those lies. Really? Yeah. You know, the fact that God did send that flood. He's a sadistic God. He wants to put punishment on you. That was what God really wanted to do is wipe the earth out in a flood and kill babies. And God was so angry in the Old Testament. That's, that's not who God is now. And the thing is, is they have a misguided understanding of who God was in the Old Testament and what God's plan and purpose was. If you want to get a good understanding of the essence of the Old Testament law or Old Covenant, because remember, Old Testament is not Old Covenant. In the Old Testament are all kinds of stories that include the, new, the Old Covenant, but there's stories before the, the covenant was cut. So, so understand the Old Testament is a testimony of all the things God did leading up to Jesus. So you read it to gain understanding, and then you understand the purpose of if you were to keep reading in this chapter, you, or you would see that God used the Old Testament law. It was not for the righteous. It was to show people their frailty and just how jacked up they really were. And if you want to get an essence of God's heartbeat in the Old Testament, read Deuteronomy chapter 10 and chapter 11. If you want some great homework, I've been in it every day for the last couple of weeks. I just can't get out of it. And this message I'm preaching, I got months ago. God said, now's the time. I read the Bible to read it for myself. And then God says, I get this just reservoir of word. And then I say, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? He says, you know that thing I showed you? There's some people really strong with that. I want you to share that. Deuteronomy 10 and 11 shows you the essence of the Old Testament law and the reward of loving God and that God actually was for the fatherless, bringing justice and the widow, and he was compassionate and he was caring, starting all the way in the Old Testament in the beginning. That's his nature. But man was jacked up and went sideways. So the Old Testament is full of stories. Please listen to what I'm gonna tell you. Every single story that you read that you think is dysfunctional is God's love and redemptive power to change it. So when people were full of adultery and sodomy and all kind, multiple wives and all those things, it shows you how much God loved humanity to redeem them and transform them and forgive them and heal them. It doesn't mean that God was okay with it. The point is, is that God is patient in the process of man and bringing redemption. He is. You say, well, God, what about all the wars and all about all the other things? You're gonna have to reconcile that in your mind. You need to understand that these other nations that God told Israel to wipe out were on a mission to wipe them out. And had that happened, we wouldn't be sitting here today. It's because of Jesus and the lineage through Israel that we get to be here today. And trust me, the devil knew that and wanted to wipe them out. 
And I know that it's hard to reconcile what happened then with what's happening now. And God didn't change, but he changed some of the rules. He sent Jesus his son. And now he died for all, he resurrected of all, for all, and what man couldn't do, God did. His is the gospel. The gospel is what you couldn't do, he did for you. Yeah! yeah. Woo! That gets you, should get you so fired up. Yeah. And the challenge is, is many people don't know the gospel. They don't know why Jesus died and why he shed, gave his life and that he lives right now as a high priest. Most people don't know how much God really loves them. And when you don't have a proper understanding of how God feels about you, you will live like an orphan. You'll live dysfunctionally. So you've got to get, I can't emphasize enough, you got to get a proper understanding of how much the Lord loves you. Because I have to meditate on that and renew it in my mind every single day. I have more pressures and responsibilities. And if I don't learn to adhere and believe and meditate on the, on the truth and renew my mind, I get sideways. So let's look at this scripture. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. One plus one equals two. Now, I'm going to break this down for you today, but the key word I really want you to see in this whole scripture, there's one key word I want you to really focus on, and it's not godliness, contentment, or great gain. It's the word with, because they go hand in hand. It's not like if I'm godly and then if I'm content. No, it's a matter of the fact that godliness together with contentment equals great gain, and godliness must come first. Godliness brings contentment in your life. And I'm gonna talk to you about what it means to be content. So if you're discontent today and feeling inadequate, full of sorrow, full of struggles, feeling overlooked, angry at God, angry at church, whatever it is, whatever you're going through, there's an answer and we're gonna read it. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's keep reading, verse seven. You have to have eternity in your heart. You brought nothing into this world and you're not taking anything out of this world. You must have an eternal mindset. Your life is, but, is grass in the field. It's flying by every day. As fast as I get up, it's as fast as I go to bed. The days and the months are flying and racing by into eternity. But I have eternity in my heart now. And if you're born again, you should have eternity in your heart right now. And it's the understanding that I'm looking long-term. I have a long-term vision for eternity, which affects how I live right now. In fact, Paul said we're, we're yearning and groaning to be joined together with, Lord, with the Lord out of this body. But until then, we have a guarantor. You have a guarantee. It's a spiritual back guarantee, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to equip you, prepare you, guide you, comfort you, teach you, train you, and prepare you for the bridegroom. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So you have a helper now. You're not alone. Everybody say, I'm not alone. But we live like we're alone and we're looking for people to comfort us. We're on the phone, we're on Facebook, we're always looking for something else. And I'm gonna show you today that if you can get godliness, you'll become fully content and in turn, you'll have supernatural great gain in every area of your life. So you came into this world with nothing and it's certain you can carry nothing out. So with my kids, we have a three and four year old and I'm 46. I wanna live at least another 40 to 50 years, at least. And I'm already thinking every single day, every minute of how time's flying by, and I wanna leave a spiritual legacy for my kids. 
And most of us were raised in a home that did not leave us a spiritual legacy. My parents did not. Now, there was a promise on their life that I took a hold of that they didn't take a hold of. But we take a hold of that promise, and then we start to live differently, and we nurture and cherish our children the way God would so that we leave a spiritual legacy behind. Because we should know by now that material things do not bring happiness. They may for a moment. It feels good to get a raise. It feels good to get a big tax check back. But I think we should all know as fast as it comes is as fast as it could go, right? And then we're always wanting more. We're never living in the present. We're always wanting more. And so just leaving my kids a big inheritance isn't the answer, though I want to. I mean, I want to leave my kids an inheritance. The greatest inheritance, though, that I can leave is spiritual. And so I'm living my life with this understanding, this eternal mindset. Notice he says, godliness with contentment equals great gain, and then he ties this into it. Your greatest gain is eternal. Your greatest gain is spiritual. Now, we're going to talk about the things of this world that we struggle with, the natural things here in a moment. I know that you can struggle with wanting other things that you don't have, and there's a fine line between being content. There's a fine line between being content and wanting more. Because God does want us to want more. I mean, I'm yearning for eternity. I'm yearning for more of him. I'm yearning to know him more. But even in that, there can be a spiritual trap if you're not careful. And here's the spiritual trap. God's not pleased with me. And yes, you need to do more. The Holy Spirit will prepare you to do more. But some of you have been going to church for a really, really, really long time. You know so much of the word. You have heard so much preaching that you're spiritually stuffed. And the Holy Spirit says, start giving it away. The Holy Spirit says, take what you've got. I've, I've fully equipped you already. Now I want you to start stepping into it and doing more while you grow spiritually and mature into what I have for you. And learn to be at rest. Learn to be at rest, okay? So next verse. And having food and clothing, with these we will be content. It's understanding that as long as you have what you need, in the moment, you can trust the Lord and his lordship and rest that he will take you and provide for you the more that he wants you to have in the future. So if you're not careful, you'll fall prey to the trap of more money, more stuff, more things, and never being satisfied. And when you start pursuing wealth and riches and money, here's what happens, verse nine. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and in turn, they become pierced, they pierce themselves with many sorrows. And this is the understanding that if my mind isn't set on the lordship of Christ and his provision to see me through, and let me tell you what I've come from, from prison, from the streets, I know what it means to live paycheck to paycheck. I used to wait tables for a living, for goodness sakes. I have baristas that are barely making it. And I'm coaching them and I'm teaching them what it means to be faithful with the little and trust in the Lordship of Christ, not chase after money and career. Because I chase after money and career. And it produced a lot of things like sorrows, lust for more, desires for more, chasing after the things of this world. And as spiritual mature Christians, if we're never learning to be content where we're at, it's lust in our hearts 
because we're never satisfied and we always want something more out of God's timing. And some things can be right, but not righteous. Remember that. I'm thankful we, we outgrew our little tiny house. Could we have survived our little 1,200 square foot house with a family of four? Of course we could. But the Lord said, I'm expanding your territory. I said, God, if that's what you want, that's what I want. And I'm good with that. I wasn't laying hands on a next house and I wasn't overly confessing. I was trusting God to take me where he wanted us to go. And he gave us a little bit of a bigger house and he blessed our life. And these are rewards that came from him, not because I was chasing after them, but because I was chasing after him, okay? I learned to not chase after money and promotion and material things. And so back in the day, when I got my first corporate job, I was sitting in an office cubicle for years. Can you imagine an office, me in an office cubicle? <laughs> and these were the days when you had floppy disk drives. I didn't even know how to put the floppy disk in the drive, okay? Some of you are like, we had dot matrix printers. I mean, this was a long time ago. And I'm stuck in an office cubicle working for a tax and accounting software company, and I'm calling out on stacks of returned business mail, business reply cards. I mean, the lowest of the lowest job that they had to offer for way too long. And I said, Lord, I'm miserable. And the Lord said to me, clear as day, if you don't chase after money and promotion, one day it will chase after you. Chase after me, son. And call out on those reply cards like they're golden tickets to your future. Yeah, it was the, it was the brightest and happiest cubicle you ever saw. Let me just tell you. And we're complaining and we're negative and we're unhappy and we're discontent with our situation. You're always looking to tomorrow. And trust me, the Lord showed me 10 years ago, if I don't learn to be content, because I was, I was, 10 years ago, I was in a miserable situation. It wasn't so bad, but I was very unhappy. I said, Lord, I'm so unhappy. And, and I'm just believing that tomorrow or next year or in five years. And the Lord said to me, if that doesn't shift in your heart right now, you will always be living for five years from now. Sure, your situation can be better. Some of you are in real difficult situations. You know how many people I talk to under the bridges around here? You know how many homeless people show up? And I can't pay for a hotel room for everybody. I'm not a bank. Some people I do. For, I do. Some, some people I buy a meal for. This church gives hundreds and hundreds of dollars away a month to, for benevolence. <laughs> These are bus passes, HEB gift cards. We do whatever we can. We try to not turn anybody away. And some people work the system in this city. They go from church to church to church. They know that they can always get a handout. And the Lord says, still love them. And I've got a wonderful spiritual mama that can't be taken to the, to the cleaners. Lisa Gertis is a mama. And so, you know how many times I've preached to somebody laying on the streets and I don't have any other answer but Jesus? The greatest answer is the spiritual life transformation you can give somebody. That's the first reason why Jesus came and died. Not for their physical needs, but he provides for their physical needs. They go hand in hand. But first he came for spiritual transformation. Because if it's always physical needs, they'll only come to Jesus looking for a handout. Or they'll only come here looking for a handout and they'll never be transformed. So there's so many times that I have to say to a homeless person, I know you're living under this bridge and I know your pillow will be a rock, but let me tell you something. If you can fully surrender your life to Jesus and put your trust in him, I know he can get you out of this spot because I have slept in a parking lot before, I've slept in a prison cell before, and I know he got me out. 
So I know he can do it for you. And so godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's talk about what it means to be godly. Another understanding of godly is to be holy or pious, not false piety, not hypocritical piety, but authentic authentic piety. And authentic piety means that because of what Jesus has done in my life, I have a reverence for him. And that reverence produces a devout desire to fulfill all my spiritual obligations. Many of you have come from a church where they beat you over the head with obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. But if you don't get faith first, you'll never be obedient. Faith must come first before obedience. But faith and obedience have to go hand in hand. That's why Abraham was called a friend of God and it was accounted to him for righteousness because not only did he have faith when he walked up that mountain with his son and God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. He knew he would come back to worship, but he said, we're going up to worship. That is my kind of faith right there. You're gonna lay it all down. You're gonna go through a lot of various trials, but if you'll trust Trust me and do what I say. It will be accounted to you as righteousness and I'll call you a friend. And every good thing I have for you is gonna come to pass in your life. And so to be pious means that I have a respect for the Lord that leads to action. There's a lot of people that are living in false piety. Don't be that person. Know him, love him, revere him, and be devout in your life. And the next thing, of course, is to be holy. To be holy is the effect, I'm gonna use some big words for you now. I'm gonna teach you some big words and then I'll break it down for you. To be holy is the effect of consecration and purification, which leads to the sanctification of heart and life. Now let me break it down for you, all right? Let me give it to you in layman's term. The word consecration means that God picked you and chose you put his stamp on you. He consecrated you for his work. In a sense, it's he separated you and said, you are mine, I chose you, I picked you, and I'm calling you a son, and I'm gonna be your daddy, or a daughter, and I'm gonna be your daddy. So first thing that happened was he consecrates you for his work, for consecrating something like this tissue box. Anybody know what these tissues are for? For some of you, it's for nonstop crying. For others of you, it's to blow your nose, right? But these tissues are set apart in a sense for a work. Make sense? Okay. So then when God picks you and chooses you and you get born again, he begins to go to work on you to purify you. He works on your soul realm and that takes time because some of you got a lot of jacked up backgrounds in your life. You were a drug doing, sleeping around, Lying, cheating, con artist, living for self. And now the Holy Spirit, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts you in a way that leads you to righteousness. The Holy Spirit was given to convict men of sin and lead them to righteousness, right? And so when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, he purifies you in your soul realm, but that's why you must be around people that love you, care about you, that are patient with you instead of saying, you're so jacked up. I can't believe you did that last night. What's the matter with you? you? You can't keep coming back here and living that way. You should know better. You call yourselves a Christian and they're beating you overhead with the Bible. You feel guilty. You feel condemned. You feel inadequate and you stop coming back. And thank God he was merciful and gracious for you yeah. and me. Yeah. Thank God that he never said that to me. Yes. Thank God that he always loves you and never gave up on you because he's the God of the second, third and a millionth chance. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so holiness leads you to sanctification. Sanctification is the full process of being separated or coming out of what? The world system. Now you come into the kingdom and you start to act like him, think like him, love like him, because I become sanctified. First I was consecrated, then I became pure, and then I stepped into sanctification, first in my heart and then how I live my life. I'm sanctified. And I'm still a work in process. And it's not a matter of me lusting after women. The devil knows that's not an area he can get me at anymore. And so instead he gets me lusting by not being content with where I'm at or not being satisfied. It may not be some of the same things you used to go after before, but if you're not careful, it'll subtly shift to something else and you'll still find yourself living like an orphan and living like you lived in the past, but just different. And if you're really not careful, you'll live the way that your dad treated you when you were a kid and you'll have that same mindset instead of understanding who your father is now. Because your daddy in heaven is a lot different than your daddy on earth was. And that doesn't even mean you didn't have a great dad. We have some great dads that have raised some great kids here. But even in, even in your dad's best day, he wasn't as good as our papa in heaven. Amen. Come on. Come on, somebody. Yeah. That's gospel preaching right there. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 14. You guys all right? Am I too intense today? Am I giving you what you need to hear today? All right. Thank you. Of course you're going to say that. I judge it by the response. All right. If you don't learn to live holy, you will not see the Lord. Now, you don't really want to hear that, but that's in the B-I-B-L-E. If you don't live holy and pursue peace with, if you're not a peaceful person, pursuing peace, the fruit, which is in the fruit of the spirit, being transformed, first you gotta be transformed if you're gonna become holy and pursue peace. See, holiness is a resulting action of Christ in you. Please catch that. Please catch what I'm showing you. Because of the transformative work in me, See, the Bible says in Revelations that the 24 elders and the living creatures are surrounding the throne right now. What are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So holiness is who he is. Let's say that holiness is who he is. So how do you become holy? You get him. You get him in your life. You've got to have holiness, which is also a synonym with godliness. Godliness and holiness are kind of one and the same, okay? So because of who he is in me, he makes me to now live a certain way. What, if, what you've gotta be careful of is not falling prey to the trap of, I have to live a certain way first. That's religion at its finest. And I was taught so many lies about that when I was a kid. If I did my devotion, I'll have a good day. But if I don't do my devotion, I am sure to have a bad day. And if I measure up and please God, then God will be pleased with me. But if I don't measure up, God will actually be mad at me and then he'll punish me. And I'm always feeling inadequate. One of the greatest ways that you can have a misguided understanding is that here's a telltale sign. If you sin and you can't stop saying sorry for about two weeks, soak that in for a minute. I said, man, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I'm cut to the heart. And I feel this godly sorrow inside of me and it causes me to repent. And Lord, I'm really sorry for what I did and I don't wanna live that way anymore. You know, Lord, I just feel terrible for what happened. 
but I'm believing in your forgiving power, your love and your mercy and the blood of Jesus to see me through because I know you love me. When you're constantly having to say, sorry, 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 all the time, you're living like an orphan. Doesn't mean you're not sorrowful. It doesn't mean that you don't, you're not cut to the heart. But the point is, is you've got to understand how much the Lord loves you and his word. He's a son. If my son, here's a great way to help you understand it. If when my three-year-old scratches, pinches, or hits our four-year-old, and we've told him repeatedly over and over again to stop doing that, and he does it blatantly in disrespect and hurts her right in front of us, he gets a spanking. Now, my spanking with him is like super light. It's like low intensity spanking because he's so sensitive. But I teach him how much I love and care for him by disciplining him. And if you don't understand Hebrews chapter 12, if you are not disciplined getting some godly spankings, you're an illegitimate son. Because discipline leads to holiness. Now that's another topic. Huh? It doesn't have to be a spanking and we're not always spanking him, but we're not abusive to our kids. You need to understand. Huh? I know there's some anti-spakers. How you raise your kids is how you raise your kids. I'm Read the Bible for yourself, okay? That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Trust me, he gets more timeouts than I can tell you. I mean, this kid's always in timeout, all right? And he's three. He needs Jesus bad. I can't even, I'm just telling you he needs Jesus. He's three. I'm just counting the days till he's five because we're gonna, I'm gonna preach the gospel to him. Cadence is getting it real soon. I'm waiting until they can have full. We were baptizing kids last week at seven years old. That's incredible. I want the testimony of our kids being born again and spirit-filled at four, five, six, or seven. Why not? Right? So anyway, so God does discipline us, which leads us to his holiness. And we have to understand that God wants us to live holy. But you can only live holy when you're first living godly. How do you live godly day to day? How can, let me give you a pra- some practical things. This is so complicated no, it's not really complicated. This is so simple, most people will make it complicated and not get it. So I'm gonna give you some practical advice this morning, okay? To be godly first comes from the transformative work from Christ inside of you. You can't make yourself, otherwise you're trying to do it in your own strength, okay? What happens is, is my delight and my pleasure is put in him and I sit with him first in intimacy, You've got to get intimacy in the secret place down. It is the most important number one step to becoming godly is spending time with him. You've got to learn to sit with him. You've got to learn to worship and commune and read your Bible and understand what you're reading and then hear his voice. That makes you godly. Now, some of you are having to work insane hours. You got to get up every morning at six in the morning. You got to be to work super early. You work till really late. You've got kids, and it's so hard for you to find any time. Here's what I want to tell you. Even in that place, if you'll ask the Lord to expand your territory and you'll make him a priority, even with five minutes and 10 minutes, he'll give you more room if that's your desire. And suddenly on your lunch hour, you start going by yourself 
And instead of being with the crowd and you go get alone and you read your Bible or at night, instead of watching the news and being on Facebook, you read your Bible. Or first thing when you get up, instead of going right to your text messages and emails, you go right to the word. If you'll make it a priority and you'll ask the Lord to expand your time and territory, he will make it a priority for you and be able to do it. I understand not every one of you can be an entrepreneur. And some of you are entrepreneurs and you've got the flexibility and the time to do it and you don't. And the Lord is gonna value what you value. And we're leading to great gain, by the way. We haven't even got to great gain. But what I'm telling you is if you'll make him your priority, no time invested with him is wasted time, none. Did you hear what I said? No time invested with the Lord is wasted time. You may not have goosebumps and cry and feel like you went up the mountain every time, But trust me, when you sow to the Spirit, you reap from the Spirit. And you're not going to get any reaping until you start sowing. I can't tell you any more clear than that. As a pastor, 100% of the people that come to me with problems, issues, struggles, and challenges are not spending time. Okay, I won't say 100%. 99.99% of the time. That way you don't get mad. If you soak in the, in, the, in the secret place with the Lord and you make him your priority, he will transform your life and godliness will be an outcome from it because suddenly your desires will shift. You won't want to do the same things you once did. You won't want to live the same way you once lived because now there's new fruit production coming in your life that says that person's dead. So godliness produces contentment. Let's talk a little bit more about contentment. Contentment means that you're self-satisfied. You're satisfied with yourself. And I'm first talking about spiritually. But, but we will talk about also the natural things. Maybe you need to get back to the gym. Maybe you're feeling overweight. Maybe you constantly feel like you're not feeling good about yourself and you're discontent with things about your life. Even that can lead you to a place of stress, worry, fear, dysfunction, and never resting in the moment. Contentment is peace and rest. And it's trusting that the Lord will make time and lead you to do things that you need to be done, like eating right, exercising, spending more time with the Lord. But you've got to learn to be content and rest in that moment, still desiring those other things, but not being robbed spiritually. Do you understand? The Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, three tacos every day, all your life is probably not going to be good for you. I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit will tell you you need to cut back on the refried beans. The Holy Spirit will tell you, listen, all that meat night and day is gonna give you a heart attack. Cut back on some of it, eat better, exercise. No, sorry, bro, don't get mad at me right now. Don't get mad at me right now. I know I'm walking a fine line. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to produce the work in you. And you also have longevity in your heart and eternity in your heart, which says, you know what? I haven't been doing the things that I should, but I want to because he's put the desire in me. And now though, I'm going to start changing my lifestyle. But in the process of changing my lifestyle, I'm going to learn to be content. Do you know when you get born again, you should have rest. There's a rest that God puts in your heart. And there's a reason why I'm preaching this message, by the way. First, please do not think I have arrived. This is a daily battle. This is an everyday battle for me, my wife, and for you, for all of us. It's learning to sit in his rest. And I do that by renewing my mind. 
And every single time I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm stressed, every time that I find myself not content, you know what I do? I run to the secret place. Because Matthew 6, 6, check this out. Matthew 6, 6 says that you should go to the secret place and pray to your father who's already there. It doesn't say, now, if you go, he'll come. It says he's waiting for you. Everybody say, he's waiting for me. Isn't this so simple? But most of us will not pay the price. You know why? We're workaholics. We're chasing. You don't, you don't even think you're chasing after wealth and riches and lusting after other things. But if you're a workaholic and you will not, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, you will be robbed and you will not have a production of godliness and contentment because workaholics ultimately lead to, I'm done now. It's all about me. Your wife's been with the kids all day long and you get home and you wanna check out. My wife will not let me do that. She's like, you're on duty now. I'm like, let's roll. And I'm not always happy about it either, trust me. I'm preaching to somebody. You wanna check out. The problem is, is you're not bridled and you have a fruit issue. Now I love you. I, I know that's hard. I know I'm hitting you right between the kisser, but please know that I love you. Fruit issues of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life will cause you to live contrary to the way God wants you to live and you will not be content and ultimately you will not get great gain in your life. Contentment also leads to competency because I know, like here's an example, right now, yesterday, actually two days ago, I've been feeling the best physically I felt in months since we had the healing service here. I woke up yesterday morning so sick with 100 degree fever most of the day. All I could do is lay in bed feeling miserable. Hang on. And I said, Jeremy, get, Jeremy has a whole message prepared for today. Okay, he'll preach it at some point. I said, somebody might have to cover for me. And then through prayer, through resting, through hydrating myself and some medication, I was able to bounce back almost immediately. Now, here's what I wanna tell you. The pressures of this life, little kids, businesses, growing church, shopping center, my own wife, the needs of my children every day are monstrous. If I don't go spend time with the Lord, I will be, not be a super nice guy. <laughs> I'll just tell you. Because there's a resolve that, I get resolve. Now, Daily bread means daily bread. Make sure you understand daily bread is daily bread. And it doesn't mean I can always go leave for two hours. It doesn't mean that I have the freedom all the time to just go. And many of you don't because of your jobs and kids. But you know what? You can find the time. And every single time I get with the Lord, every time, he brings perspective. He brings me back to center. He aligns me up. He produces God. And sometimes when I'm not godly with my wife or I say something or I react or she thinks I'm yelling, but really I'm raising my voice, when any of those things happen, I really don't think I yell, but it sounds like yelling to her. Yes, we have conflict as a part of marriage. What helps you to overcome is conflict resolution. Remember that, okay? I teach more conflict resolution in premarital than anything else. How are we gonna work through those issues? But because I'm bridled, because I've learned to be bridled and listen to my helper, the Holy Spirit, where I've sowed into privately, I now reap publicly. And even when I miss, I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, I said something the other day. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't very good. I didn't cuss or anything, but I did something I shouldn't have done. 
And I was so convicted. I mean, I was like three minutes back saying, I'm so, I'm really, really sorry. I really should not have said that. And that comes from being bridled in the fruit of the spirit in your life. And that's how the Lord helps you to overcome sin issues too. Is suddenly the desire gets taken away. He removes them out of your life, but you've got to first go get with him. And then he brings, so godliness with, together with contentment equals great gain. And I'll conclude with this. What does it mean to have great gain? Okay. The word great in the Greek, let's pull up verse six again, please. What is, what is great gain? I'm going to tell you. I want you to think for a second. What is great gain? Look at the scripture. First godliness with contentment equals, everybody say great gain. The word great in the Greek is the word megas, and it's where we get the word mega. You know what mega means? It means really big. It's like super abundant. And it means in space, width, depth, height, length, in every area of your life, it means an expansion. It also means that God makes you strong. It means that he makes you valiant or violent. It means that he promotes you to a position of rank and authority. This guy's in a great position or he takes you to a great place or he makes you great for his namesake. To be great means that you're mighty and it infers that you are stately, splendid, and God's, and God's preeminent blessings are yours for the taking. Think about this. He says that you're kings and priests. You're a royal priesthood now. If you really knew what the Lord said about you and what he thinks about you, you would live differently. You wouldn't keep living like an or You'd actually live like the priesthood that you are. And this isn't arrogant. This isn't pompous. This isn't cockiness. This isn't pride. This is humility at its finest. That God, I didn't deserve any of it, but God in his love, just because I've sat with him and I love him and his life is in me, he's transformed me and I've learned to rest and be at peace where I'm at now, knowing he's gonna take me into more. I know it's coming, but I'm gonna rest in the place he has me now. And in turn, great gain. He's gonna make me stately. He's gonna make me revered. He's gonna make me into everything he has in store for me to be because I have authority and because I'm a son. I don't have to command reverence from anybody. I just get promoted to a position of honor. And God wants to promote you to a position of honor because you're a son. You're not like everybody else when you get born again. Come on. You've come out. You've been, we read the scripture. You're purified, you're consecrated, and you're sanctified. You come out, you're a son now. You're a royal priesthood. It means he makes you great. And then the word gain, the word gain means to be fully furnished to acquire all God has for you. It means that I am going to the source to acquire something. I gain something from him. I have an acquisition. I'm acquiring and I'm gaining all he has for me. Here's a great scripture for you. Ephesians 3.20. Man, this scripture, you ought, to, you ought to put this on your bathroom mirror because God can do exceedingly, and I'm not even gonna break this down in the Greek for you. You, do, you should go home and do that tonight. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? Inside of you. 
So there's a power now in being born again that's inside of you that's producing something in your life. And it's exceedingly abundantly above all what you could ever ask or think. And so every now and then, I like to take all that I just preached to you and summarize it. So I'm gonna take those three words, go back to verse six, and I'm gonna read to you a declaration. Can I do that? Now I'm gonna read this declaration. It's in a sense written in first person. I want you guys to, you won't be able to write all this down. I want you to go back to the podcast and listen to it and declare it over yourself, okay? This is the the summary of these three scriptures. Are you guys ready? And then we're gonna pray. I am first godly and made holy by the transformative work of Christ in me. As I spend time with Jesus intimately in worship, communion, fellowship, and reading my Bible and hearing his voice, I become more disciplined to be obedient and live a life of holiness. I'm devout and I'm pious. And because of my love and respect for him, I'm obedient to all he commands. And therefore, I will see the Lord. And from this place, I am fully satisfied with who I am in Christ. I have a full-grown Jesus living inside of me. And therefore, I am at peace and rest with my life. He has me where he wants me. And he has made me fully competent to accomplish all he has for me. I am now qualified for my purpose, and it will be accomplished. I am at rest, peaceful, and fully satisfied in the place I'm at, both with him and in my life. And though I know there's so much more in store for me, and I want it right now, I got a whole list of things I want right now, by the way. I got a list of things I'm believing for right now. Number one, my healing because I'm, I need it desperately. I'm confessing, believing more. I let Billy pray for me last service. I'm going after it. And though I want all of those things right now, I'm learning to be patient with the process, whatever it is. And I trust in his lordship to get me where he wants me to be. Lordship is key. And the resulting effect of all of this is supernatural promotion in all areas of my life. And what's in store is big. It's really big. I've been made strong, mighty, and valiant. By the way, I'm confessing it over myself. This is your confession. I wrote this right here under this bridge for all of us together. Spending time with him, this came out of the secret place. So all that I just taught you and meditated on and studied out. I'm writing, rewriting out for us to declare over ourselves. This isn't a me thing. This is an us thing. So what God has in store for us is big. It's really big. It's great gain big. It's mega, magnificent big. You've been made strong, mighty, and valiant for the battle ahead. You're a child of God now. And with Christ, you can do all things. I'm making it third person now for us. You're stately and splendid. And all of God's preeminent blessings are waiting for you. You've been fully furnished to acquire all God has for you. 
because you're tapped in. Everybody say, I'm tapped in to the source of life. You're born again now. You're a son, you're a daughter, and you're a co-heir together with Christ. Great gain is yours for the taking. It's time. The only way to get what God has for us is through holiness. And holiness only comes by his transformative work in your life. And when you get it, you'll see him. And when you see him, you'll never be the same. And I may not have seen him necessarily with my natural eyes, but I see him everywhere around me. And because of that, I'm awakened. I become a new creation. And I know that God's gonna do what he said he'd do. I knew it years and years ago. What you're seeing here this morning is a 25-year-long declaration, 25 years of believing, and this is just the beginning. Can you imagine what five years from now is gonna look like? Can you imagine a year from now? I want hope and faith to rise up in you again, and now I wanna pray for you. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bendett, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening. Until next time, and stay fired up.